Well, hello, everyone. My name is David Apple, head of the SaaS and software vertical here at Sage Intech and host of the Modern SaaS Finance Podcast. We created this for you, CFOs, controllers, FP&A, RevOps, other members of the finance community, and fast growth SaaS companies. And we discuss, we discuss a whole myriad of things, such as subscription usage, billing models, RevRec, SaaS metrics, forecasting, all these key functions you need to do to drive the cash flow and the trajectory of a firm on its path to IPO. I'm real excited about my uh, uh, co-speaker with me today, a gentleman named Greg Sands. Janet, Greg is the managing director of Costa Noah Ventures. Greg was an early early investor in Intact and wrote us through our growth and through the acquisition by Sage. And he has done this for so many companies. He's a, uh, an amazing and astute early stage investor who understands a lot of the parameters that you need to put in. And we wanted to draw some of those out and share those with you. So Greg, would you just start off and tell everybody a little bit about who are you and who's close to no ventures? Absolutely. Thanks very much and thrilled to be here. So I've been an investor for about two decades. The last decade of that is at Costa Nova Ventures, which I started in 2012. Costa Nova is an early stage firm. We invest at Series Seed and Series A in enterprise technology, SaaS, applied AI and enterprise infrastructure and FinTech. Obviously, Intact was an extraordinary investment for us. It is at the intersection of enterprise technology and FinTech. We've been fortunate to be investors in some other companies that have had great exits like Roadster and Kenna, more recently Datalogix uh, earlier in the firm's life, and are ultimately trying to build big, important, independent companies. Well, and you've had such a track record of success in doing that. And so for you, with the stage that you come in of seed and A, what makes a great investment? Well... Seed and A are a little bit different from another, from each other, but I'll try to yeah, generalize. Yeah. Well, let's let's start with uh, which one do you specialize in? How about Seed? Sure, we'll start with 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 Seed. I would say the ultimately at that stage, it really is problem identification. It is proposed solution. Sometimes the solution isn't even fully built, and it's team. And team is a, obviously an extraordinary part of it, but it's important to say, what are you looking for? And I'm looking for people that have incredible intellectual curiosity about their market, about their customer's experience, and who has the empathy for customers and what they're trying to do every day. I'm looking for people with great judgment who attract other people and resources and the resilience and tenacity to manage through difficult times like we're going through today. So at seed stage, that's about what, uh, what one can expect, I think, in things that look like extraordinary opportunities. How about at Series A? At Series A, you want to see the beginnings of repeatability. And it's a little too early to say, oh, I want the magic number to be above one, or I need the, uh, I need the Cactel TV to be over four. You just don't have that kind of data yet. But generally, you want to see customers really care about the problem. You, and you want to see consistent personas about who's resonating with it, who's buying it, consistent ideal customer profile, and the 
beginnings of a sales and marketing process that maybe goes beyond just the founder pounding the pavement and selling software on his or her own. So to me, those are the forward signals that one can look, look at to try to assess something before it completely hits the knee of the, uh, of the curve and takes off. Yeah. And so for all the CFOs that are listening right now and they're trying to be great advisors to their CEOs, what are the key factors at Series A that the CEO needs to track for creating such a company? Well, the first thing that I'd say is stay compact until you hit product market fit. Mm -hmm. I do think that premature scaling is the, uh, is the leading cause of death of startups. So don't get over your skis too early. Specifically, in terms of things to track, I'd say uh, where leads are coming from, lead volume, at what rate those are converting. So, you know, lead to opportunity through a stage or two, opportunity to close rate. And, but it really makes a difference to see how, um, how consistent those are in terms of where they're coming from and who the targets are and the like. Then I think it starts to show up in, in the numbers to say, what are we spending in order to generate that? Certainly on the marketing side. The second thing is, what are, at what rate are sales reps ramping to start meeting their assigned quota? What level of, uh, what percentage of quota assignment are reps hitting on average? What percentage of reps are hitting their numbers? So how is that distributed? To me, those are some of the, the things that are really important early indicators of whether you've hit product market fit, how strong the demand is, does, this, does the go-to-market model, sales and marketing, seem to be working? Because, and those numbers will tell you how fast to go. If those numbers are working, then my answer is step on the gas. Well, what I just love about you is how concise you are, because that's there's for you, our listener, there's the three things to pay attention to. Now, it's easier said than done and creating the metrics and, and having the product market fits harder to do. Otherwise, everybody could do it. But now you've got a definition of success to, to uh, be clear about. It kind of leads into our next question. What are the pitfalls you see in fundraising at Series A? So I think that the biggest thing people do wrong is that they start but when they're not ready. And generally, I'm not even talking about exactly what's the right level of ARR. I think it is you want to have your pitch tight. You want to know your story and how all the pieces fit together, and you want to polish it and practice it. And too many people are doing that just in time. The other thing I'll say is, and I think CFOs will actually like to hear this, basically half of the difficulty in getting the materials ready is getting the pro forma income statement right. The, all of the design and 20 PowerPoint slides is about as much work as the one slide, which is the representation of three or four year forward income statement. And so I'd get that stuff ready before you go out. That's one. I think the second is be clear about who you're targeting. 
and people often <laughs> don't go to the right folks. They go to people who it. It's so true. Right? Um, and use your existing investors and your advisors to both add to the list and then prioritize them and pick the right one. Mm-hmm. Then, the, then the third one I'll say is when you're fundraising, it's about all you get to do. So when it's time to fundraise, particularly in a difficult environment like this one, get after it. Push everything else off your desk, get after it and make it happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So back to this is something you and I have spent a lot of time on, both in our own company and the product decisions we had to make at Intact and presentations you and I have done is about strategic moats. Do you mind just, it's such a big term, but do you mind just sharing with the audience for that Series A head of finance on whether he or she wants to put investment dollars? What do you look for when you're trying to build a strategic moat? Yeah, it's, it's really hard at Series A to have strategic moats. I think at Series A, you want to have a theory of potential future strategic moats. The, and so obviously this is about the defensibility of the business and the, you know, if you have success, how hard is it for people to follow that success? So in deep infrastructure companies, there can be an actual technology moat. You've built something that's very hard to build. Although in SaaS, it usually, the, the technology moat is usually not that great. That's one. The second is that one can have the classic example of, of, of network effects. So if someone is building a marketplace and you've got buyers and sellers, and by the time the buyers and sellers are both connected, you've got a network that is, uh, that is difficult to replace. The one that I think is really important for software companies to think about is how do I take my initial wedge product and turn it into a platform? And so we did this at, at, at Intact where ultimately it's, you know, it started out as your accounting system, but over time, as you build modules and you build coverage, and then you want to build the tools for people to build on top of it. That lets you solve use cases that you can't solve on your own. It lets channel partners or integrators be creative in adding value to your solution. And then once stuff is built on top of you, it's never coming out. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's, I think, the the one that is underutilized for SaaS companies. And it's not that you do it at Series A, but having the plan for it means that you architect the software to be ready for that when the time comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. And that we could spend hours and days and years on this topic, on strategic mode. But for all of you listening, I just want you to be both be conscious of it if you're not already, of be thinking about this and constantly looking for it as to what makes you different. And it can be product. It can be distribution. It can be pricing, but it needs to be something in order to win the whole shot in the market as markets consolidate as you go from series A into the later stages. Let's kind of wrap up on this. On uh, Why did you originally invest in Sage Intact and what are you proud of about what happened with the investment? Well, uh, First, I would say I love products that actually make customers' lives easier. Yeah. And I just, to me, that's really the centerpiece. And if there are customers, I want to talk to them. And if there aren't customers yet at seed stage, I want to go on sales calls. I want to go on customer discovery calls. And the feedback on, on that 
uh, on the initial intact product was so good, very powerful. So that's thing one. I think um, thing two is it's, it's obviously a, a huge market with a platform opportunity that you and team have gone and built into and including what you've accomplished in the handful of years since the company was sold to Sage is incredible. And it's the realization of what we all hoped for. And then to answer the last part, what I'm proud of, we built an extraordinary company with great leadership, with great values, which with an amazing culture uh, that helped develop people's career and gave them economic opportunities that they didn't have. And to me, that's the thing that I'm most proud of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just what a wonderful culture that was built It really focused on making the customer successful. And by doing that, we made the employee successful and then we made the investor successful and uh, just such a great journey to be on. Thank you for being part of it. Greg, as we're wrapping up here, any final thoughts? This is a more challenging environment in which to operate, but the finance function is more important than ever uh, to make sure that companies are focused are clear about their priorities, are making big decisions about what they're not gonna do in an environment where resources are scarce. So you guys, you all have an opportunity to make a big impact in your companies and on the world. And uh, it's great to talk to you today. Yeah, thank you. And I, first off, Greg, thank you for everything you helped me with and us with, and then to be able to pay it forward to the audience. Cause folks, there's so much great insights in there about what does it take to make a great investment on series seed, pardon me, in series A, what are the factors for you as CFO and then the CEO to drive those early stages, pitfalls to avoid, and then how to think about investing in strategic moats. So just amazing insights. And so everybody, thanks for joining. And Greg, thank you, of course, for speaking with us. And while this is a great podcast, make it ongoing and join the wonderful Slack community that's been starting to evolve at bit.ly slash modern SaaS finance. So bit, B-I-T dot L-Y slash one word, modern SaaS finance, because that's where a huge community of your peers is all coming together to talk about fundraising, business models, investor metrics, and building a great team amongst many other things. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast if you enjoyed it today to stay up to date with future episodes because today was amazing and more will be coming in the future. We're available on all the major streaming platforms. Greg, any final thoughts? Always thrilled, thrilled to be with you and have a great yeah. day. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Please have a great day.